because prophecy releases courage to encourage us to inspire courage and you only need courage if you if you've got a challenge you only need courage if you're going into a battle we don't just encourage each other so we can be like smiley happy people in a church building no we we encourage each other because we're going out there full of courage in our hearts and I feel like God is going to go after <coughs> the following today. I think it's on my slide. Um, discouragement, disappointment, delay, and distraction. I just feel like there's four Ds that God wants to go after as we speak this message. And I feel like God wants to deposit courage into people's hearts. It's like I saw God depositing courage into our hearts like God was taking ground within us so that we can take ground outside of us. I thought that was good. He's looking for people who know who they are and whose they are. Isn't this whole identity thing so like essential? It's like if you meet someone who's like settled in who they are, like Jesus, it's the Mark 1, 11. Before he went and did anything, a voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he did anything, before he stepped out in his purpose, he knew who he was and whose he was. And God says, you're beloved and he's well pleased with you. You start from the place of having received his pleasure you never live from a place trying to win the pleasure of God. You never have to try and earn and gain the pleasure of God. Your starting point is his eternal pleasure over your life. What a relief. Come on, Jesus. Why do you think we have an identity crisis on our hands? When people don't know who they are, they can't live out in the fullness of their calling and their destiny with confidence and humility. And obviously, <coughs> the enemy doesn't want you living out your destiny in fullness because then you're gonna take ground for the kingdom. So why doesn't he just confuse you about who you are and you can spend your life having this crisis of meaning and identity? But I feel like God says today, it's time for us to raise our expectations. And I feel like we've been going through this identity series. It's been so beautiful, like week in, week out, just the truth of God, just like washing over our lives. This is who you are. You're beloved, you've chosen, you called, all these things. And God's saying like today, I want you to take that into your life and I want you to start to dream big. Because you're not just secure in your identity so you can just go around being like, I know who I am. Like, I know who I am. It's like, that's, then you don't know who you are if you have to prove who you are. But people who know who they are don't have to prove who they are. They live out from the fullness of who they are and they just do what God's placed within their lives. Thank you, Dan. Let's read Ephesians 1. I'm just gonna read it through once, 1 to 14. Um, it'll be on the screen because it's such a beautiful passage, and I'm gonna pick out like a few nuggets from verse seven, eight, nine, and 10, and hopefully finish by 11, because miracles still happen today. The version I read and the version on the screen might be a little bit different, but that's fine. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with, with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Woo, we're gonna have a revival meeting in here. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, under one head, Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Apparently, in the Greek, that was one sentence with no, I don't know if there was punctuation, but don't think so, hey? No. And I was just struck that it starts in verse three, grace and peace to you. And I just felt at the beginning that God wants to just release grace and peace in this room. Some of you are just gonna be overcome with peace. Some of you are gonna be hit again by the scandal of the grace of the gospel. Just take a moment, just take a moment to say, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your peace. Mm. We recognize. <coughs> We recognize your peace. We recognize your grace. There's a beautiful verse. The message says, I greet you with the grace and peace poured into your lives. It's like Jesus has poured this grace and peace into our lives. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's so profound, it means that your knowledge of Jesus, the more you get to know Jesus, the more it's gonna multiply grace and peace to you. And there's never gonna be an end of getting to know Jesus. So there's never gonna be an end of the abundance of grace and peace. And if you get to know anything about Jesus that doesn't release a multiplication of grace and peace to you, then question whether it's Jesus. Because Jesus is the multiplication, the abundance of grace and peace. And for some of us, grace needs to settle on our hearts this morning. And I just felt God say, grace displaces striving. Some of us have been striving and trying so hard. 
your starting place is the grace, the unmerited favor, the abundance of God treating you better than you deserve. Pouring out unmerited favor and blessing on your life that you did nothing to deserve, but because he loves you, he poured it out upon you. And that is your starting point. And peace. Peace displaces strife. Some of us, our lives, it's been like that wind the last two, three days where it's just like, Strife, 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 issue, financial, this, that, peace of God just comes and rests upon our hearts this morning, displacing strife. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That means when his rule comes, his kingdom, which is his rule, comes in our life, it comes with a measure of peace. I think it's Isaiah 9 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, which means even Forever, his peace is going to be extended. The word shalom in the Hebrew is, 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 is the concept of peace. And, and one of the best ways of defining it is nothing missing, nothing broken. Thank you, Mary. Nothing missing, nothing broken in our lives. Romans thirteen fifteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. But some of us just need to receive that peace afresh. Just felt like there was a word during our prayer meeting about this soaking, like just taking a, a watering can and softening the ground. And I'd written in my notes, he is soaking the ground of our hearts with a tangible sense of his grace and peace to prepare us for what he wants to do. And even if you're new to church, this might not make sense to you, like feeling this peace or this grace or just seeing what you've been seeing this morning with these prophetic words. <coughs> but the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit. That means when we read and we unpack the word of God, there's life and there's activity. So you might not even understand what I'm saying, but you're seeing the life and the activity of what God's doing in the room because this is living. So if you have a Bible, like there is no more life, there's no more activity you're gonna find outside of this. So, I am aware of God's purpose. <coughs> purpose. I think I found the definition of purpose, not for my own life, but just for everyone. Um, purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Have you found the reason for which you exist? I don't know. I'm still searching. <laughs> but in case you haven't missed it, like we're living in a world with an identity crisis. Anyone? How many identities can you have now on Facebook? I don't know, if it's like 55 or something. Maybe it's more. I don't know, I'm not really on Facebook. So, um, But we live 
in a crisis of meaning because we're all trying to figure out why do we exist? And so it's not, you know, it's not by accidents that we have this identity crisis because for so long we've defined ourselves by what we do. Like think about it, one of the first things you'll ask someone will be asked is like, what do you do? And then like you get COVID and we're like all freaking out, like what am I really doing? <laughs> what am I doing inside this room? What am I like doing with my life? And it feels like we've been through this whole existential crisis of being like, what is the point? Like, why do we do things? Why do we go to the office? And it's like, these things have been stripped away from us. And people are desperately trying to find their identity in other things. So why do you think it, like, it it shouldn't surprise us that people are just finding identities in other places. If you have no purpose, you have no meaning. And I just wanna say the pressure is off for you to find the purpose for your life. It's like, I've gotta find the purpose, I've gotta find the perfect job, I've gotta find the job that let me travel the world, work remotely, do what I love, makes me come alive, pays my bills, gives me influence, I don't know. I mean, that's the dream, right? Supposedly the dream. Or maybe, are you guys with me on that? But there's a, this beautiful verse in Ephesians that says, with wisdom and understanding, I mean, you can just stop there. I mean, how much wisdom and understanding do we encounter in our world today? But it says, with wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What does that mean? And it actually starts in some translations like the one I've got, it says, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So it actually starts with this lavish action of God pouring something out over our lives. I love it, with, like God always makes the first move. Like if you, if you go away with anything today, God always makes the first move. We live in response to the God who's the most intentional, most pursuant, most, like he's got so much determination to unlock purpose in our lives. This is what it says in Passion Translation. This super abundant grace is already already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. So our starting point is this grace, these cascading riches, this lavish superabundance of grace. That word that is used for lavished in the Greek, it means, um, sorry, let me just find it here. It means to go above and beyond, to exceed the ordinary, to overflow, to cause to abound, indicating abundance going beyond the expected measure. 
So God's grace, His kindness, His goodness, the way that He sees you is He goes above and beyond for our lives. Jesus went above and beyond. He gave His very life. He lavished it upon us. I love it. He made the first move. God is like an extravagant lover. I don't know if you guys have ever been in love or dated or just been like, maybe not like Taryn and Julie where the first kiss wasn't really the person (laughs) you were kissing, but it's like that moment when you are so obsessively, lavishly, like you will give anything and everything to do something that like blows that person's mind. And you buy them an engagement ring that costs you like three months salary and you're like, what have I done? But it's like God is like, I will hold nothing back. Romans 8 says, he who did not spare his own son for us, but gracefully gave him up, how much more will he not give us all things? That is the starting point. His grace is an elevator. Even when we fall, we are moving upward. The moment we come to him, we are already responding to the superabundance of his grace. And I feel like God just wants to strip away any lie, any pretense that we've ever had anything to bring to the table when it comes to our faith and our salvation. Like when we come to him, we come to him with nothing and he gives us everything. We bring the only thing that you contributed to your salvation and to your faith was your sin. It's the only thing we gave. It has nothing to do with our abilities. But it's His grace. In the Garden of Eden, God breathed into the dirt and He released His ruach, His spirit, His life. Any life that we have, it's like God has breathed into the dirt. I'm not saying that we are worthless, but I'm saying that He releases life in us and we respond. Thank you, Jesus. And it says he lavishes on us all wisdom and understanding. And that word wisdom is the word Sophia. And we, that's where we get the, the, the word philosophy from. Philo, the love of Sophia, wisdom. Philosophy is, the, is supposed to be the love of wisdom. It's supposed to be this passion for finding wisdom in life. If if you've ever listened to any philosophy, I can tell you it's definitely quite far from that. It's almost become like the search for the meaning of of life, but actually it's the love of wisdom. And, and, And the Bible says he's lavished on us all wisdom and understanding. That word understanding means the practical living out of wisdom. And it says he's done that according to the riches of his grace. So the Bible says in James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. And God will graciously give you wisdom. And I think it's really important that we just know that your purpose, what God's called you to do, is not separate from wisdom and understanding. But God's called us to be people who carry wisdom. Wisdom's not just like knowing a lot of things, but it's knowing what to do and when to do it. 
And God's looking for people who carry wisdom. Many of us want direction. We want to know, like, what's the will of God for my life? I want direction. What's the next step? But God wants to show you the next step as much as he wants to grow you in wisdom to live out that next step. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. He's the way. He'll show you the way to go, but he's also going to fill you with truth and life. He is looking for people who embody wisdom, practical understanding that we can live lives that are overflowing with grace to bring his kingdom on earth. And then it says he's made known to us with this wisdom and understanding, he's made known to us the mystery of his will. And what I got from that is God is not holding back from us. Like it's not like, he hides, I love what Bill Johnson says, he doesn't hide things from us, he hides things for us. I found this quote. Once upon a time, a king came to earth to tell stories, and the stories contained the mystery of eternal life. Jesus, he was telling parables, those things often weren't understood, not because he was trying to hide things from people, Now you must understand, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and in this culture, they've got the temple of Diana or Artemis, which is like one of the wonders of the world. Everything in their culture, in their spiritual cults, and all the gods they serve, it's all about, you've gotta find the secret mystery. And Paul's writing and he says, it's before your eyes, it's an open secret. God's made known to you the mystery of his will. It's like, it's abundantly clear. <coughs> we don't need to live being like, oh, there's some super spiritual, like, have you read this book? Like, have you read the book by the latest prophet? It will unlock you to a new level of spirituality and anointing, and you will just float above the clouds. Send me $5, and your life will be better. But no, this mystery comes with grace and peace. The mystery of his will is Jesus fully displayed in grace and peace. And you know, we live in an upside down kingdom. The mystery of the, of, of the kingdom is like, how can Jesus, who's God come to earth to save his people, how can he stand in front of Pontius Pilate? And it says, when he stood before his oppressors, he did not open his mouth. What is there? Why, where's the wisdom? Why aren't you defending yourself? Where's the wisdom in giving your life and going down into hell? But then he takes the keys of death from hell itself because you cannot kill life itself. He is the resurrection and the life. So there is a mystery of his will that the more you get to know Jesus and the more that his grace and his peace is multiplied to you, you begin to understand that he is the most beautiful, he is the most radical, he is the most wise, he is the most incredible that there ever is. No one can compare to him. He's the beginning and the end. He knows the end from the beginning. Derek Morphew says, when you meet Jesus, you've met your end.
And then it says, according to his good pleasure. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Not according to strategy, not according to some effective plan to overtake the world, not like he made it according to us if we meet these requirements, but according to his pleasure. It was his delight. That word is in the Greek is eukodia. It's the same word that when, when the father spoke over Jesus, he said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It's his pleasure to make it known to us because as I said earlier, we start living from his pleasure, not living for his pleasure. Like God is delighted. He's like, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to understand that there's a purpose and a plan that is being unlocked in the earth and in the heavens, that everything is gonna be culminated in Jesus and you have a part to play in that and you've got a purpose and I want you to see it. I want you to be delighting in me because I delight to show you these things. That verse that Dan shared, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight, I looked it up because I, I felt like God spoke to me about it a while ago on a Sunday morning and it actually means to, it actually means to soften, to be really pliable. And I felt God saying like, you know, he's looking for people whose hearts are soft towards him. As we delight ourselves, as we say, Lord, I'm just like, I'm malleable towards you. Like, you give me the desires of my heart? How does that even work? And he's unlocking the desires of our hearts this morning. It says, which he, and then it carries on and says, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fullness. I love that it says he purposed it in Christ. When I was looking up the word purpose, on purpose it means if you do something on purpose, you do it intentionally. It sounds like disciplining a toddler. If you do something on purpose, you do it intentionally, not by accident. But what is he saying? God has done this, he's purposed in Christ. He's intentionally worked this in. He says you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And there's this purpose that is never gonna, like the momentum of the purpose in Christ is never gonna stop. It's just like fulfilling itself. There's ever gaining momentum. The kingdom of God is expanding. The Bible says the kingdom of God is expanding and violent people take it by force. That doesn't mean we must be violent. It must mean that we are intentional saying, God, your kingdom's expanding. How can I join my life to what you're doing? And then he, he finishes that verse to say, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. When the times have reached their fulfillment, this is what Hebrews says. God, Hebrews 1, beginning of Hebrews 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. 
Jesus is what God has to say. It says when the times have reached their fulfillment, that means that we don't just live in this arbitrary like time. Like time's not arbitrary, it's just like, okay, it's 2023 and then like the world's gonna continue. No, it's like the times are, are, are working their way to a fulfillment. The, the, the word is a telos, an end. God has got a purpose that he is working in time and he wants us to give our time to see his purposes unlocked. It's not aimless passage of time. You know, the Bible says, talks about in the Old Testament, the sons of Issachar. It says they could recognize the times in which they lived and they knew what Israel ought to do. And God is looking for people who can recognize what our times are and what we need to do in the earth because time is reaching its fulfillment. The Bible says, I think it's Peter, it says we are to redeem the time. We are to make the time an, an aspect of the redemption of the kingdom of God coming. And then it says to bring unity to things in heaven and on earth un, under Christ. That word is anakepha lomai, which means summing up all the parts as a comprehensive whole. To gather up in one. It basically means when we get to the fullness of time, all things being consummated, Jesus is gonna sum up everything in himself and bring unity to heaven and earth, boom. That is the mystery of the purpose of his will, that Jesus is going to sum up and gather up and unify and bring everything that is disparate and all over the place together in one and heaven and earth will be united. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because the delight and the desire of God is that heaven and earth are united together. And you know, that's just not about what God's doing, but, and I'll close with this, it's about what he's called us to do. Because in verse seven it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, according to the riches of his grace. What he's basically saying is, you have been redeemed. Your life, that word redemption is like, it's your life has been put back together. God has rescued you and he's made you whole. And he has done that and he's as part of this great purpose of bringing all things together. Some translations saying, in the end, he will make all things new. So he's redeemed you, which means he said, you have a purpose to play in redeeming the earth and making all things new. The message says, he thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. Our vision for a church is stepping into the story of God and the ways of Jesus for the sake of Cape Town. And I felt this morning that God wants to say, it's time for us to step in fully to the purpose of God. 
he's lavished this grace like a cascading waterfall. And I have this picture of people, we are stepping in. It's like you're stepping into this ancient rushing river of grace where the moment you step in, you get caught up and your life just begins to take on a bigger story. You're not creating your own life story about this is how I find my meaning and how my purpose, but this is the greater purpose of God that he's unlocking. And he wants us to step into the raging waterfall of his grace and mercy. And I felt like God just wanted to say this. I know it's five past 11. I won't be here a few more minutes, but God says there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. There's no bomb squad. There's no seven-one split. There's no bench. We need what is in you. He redeemed you to redeem the world. And no, it doesn't rely upon you, but we get to participate in that. In Christ, we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, says the message. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. And it's like some of us have been sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what's gonna happen in this church before we put our toe in the water. And God says, today's your day, it's time. He's calling us out of the sidelines. Yeah, but you don't know what my history is in church and my pain and all the things that I've had to deal with. And I probably don't. But I do know that when you come to Jesus, he said, put your hands in my hands and feel my scars. Put your hand in my side and feel my scar. I'm the wounded healer. Let me take your hands and I'll draw the toxins out. But I felt like he's saying, I'm putting out a fresh call to many in this room, even not in this room, but it's time to put yourself out there again because the kingdom of God is expanding. It's not a season to sit by, but it's time for us to take seriously the words of God over our lives again I just felt like the Holy Spirit's breathing up, breathing on us. We can just close our eyes as we finish. He is the resurrection and the life. I just felt like he's resurrecting dreams. He's resurrecting faith sense of calling and, and, and destiny. I, I felt like there's some of us, we've, even in the past few days, you said, you've literally said this phrase, I've forgotten who I am. And I feel like God says, the good news is I haven't forgotten who you are. I've never forgotten. I've always known before the foundations of the earth. I knew you, I formed you, I saw you. The only thing I forget is your sin. But I don't forget who you are. There's fresh grace and peace. There's fresh grace and peace right now. Do you want to put up that second last slide? The next one. You sitting there with discouragement says, I'm displacing your discouragement today with courage. 
Let's stand. Let's just stand for a moment. Disappointments. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. There's hope. You've been living with some delay, like frustration. He says, I'm releasing fresh expectation in your heart today. And distraction, he's calling us back to a place of devotion. Let's just take a moment. If you've got to go and get kids, I know it's 11.09, you're welcome to do that. But it feels like God is doing something. Let's close our eyes quickly. I feel like for some of us, God's giving us fresh perspective. It's like right now, as the Holy Spirit is breathing upon us, some of you are are literally going to start to get fresh inspiration. It's like some of you are feeling hope beginning to rise in your heart. feel like God says he's breaking off the battle of the last season. So I want to pray for a few people. I want to pray for healing. Just um, if any of these make sense to you, just just put, put your hand up and, and, and just hold it up. Um, chronic migraines. I feel like God wants to heal. If you've been suffering with that, just just slip your hand up so someone can pray for you. I feel like this <coughs> at least one person, maybe two. You've been waiting for you're actually waiting for health like test results this like this week or next week. Like quite significant test results for your health. That's you. <coughs> I felt like there was someone your left shoulder it's like real pain discomfort God wants to heal if you've got any pain in your body well, won't you just lift your hand I'm going to pray for you Lord we just if you see someone <coughs> with a hand raised won't you just slip your hand onto their shoulder or somewhere appropriate. And Lord, I just pray for healing. I pray where people have been walking through anxiety, fatigue. I feel like God says he's lifting fatigue. He's lifting fatigue of people. If you've been struggling to sleep in the last like Specifically in the last year to two years, I feel like God wants to God wants to bring a restoration of rhythms right now. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, we just pray right now, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. <coughs> Release healing in this room. You don't heal because you got power, you don't heal because you can, you heal because you are the healer. It's who you are. 
we're just going to keep praying for some people. If you, if you need to go, you're welcome to. If you need to fetch kids or you want to just go to the foyer. But we're going to keep praying for people because it feels like God's doing something. Dylan, um, your name came to me this morning and I, I just feel like God said like his plans over your life are gonna blow you away. I feel like God says that even as you've been listening to this message, there's, there's such a purpose in the heart of God for your life. And he's created you as a man who's gonna leave a legacy for many people. I just feel like God says, like, you're going to look back on your life and see the grace and the mercy and the peace of God. And I feel like what he's doing is he's just going to show you in this next season just how you are such a beloved son that he loves you, that he loves you, that he loves you, that he loves you. And there's nothing about you that he doesn't enjoy. And I just feel like God says, like, he wanted to point you out today because he is just so over the moon about who you are. I just feel like even in the next year or so, God's going to do like a really profound, significant thing in your heart. Just affirming (coughs) your identity, who he's created you to be. And I just see like this like banner over your head that says hope, hope, that he's just going to restore hope afresh in your life. So Lord, we, we thank you for that word. We thank you for Dylan. I didn't get this in, get to this in my message, <coughs> but I was really struck when it talks about the fulfillment of time. You know, we read in Acts chapter two, it says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And we, we, we love to say, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. But it carries on and it says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I felt like God wants to unlock dreams for older people today. You can put that last slide up if there's anyone still there. Um, But I felt dream big. I saw that in the shops. Saw it in Woolworths, it must be God. Um, But you know the interesting thing, young people are known as dreamers and old people are known as people who have vision over their lives. But it's amazing. Joel says, no, the old people are going to be the dreamers. And the young people are going to be people who have vision for their lives. So I want to pray for, I want to pray for people. If you're over, oh man, this, what is, what is this? Who's, <laughs> yeah, ANC Youth League says youth is up to 35. If you're over 35 and you just feel like God, if you, if you, if you feel like 
God, I need fresh dreams. Won't you just lift your hands? We're gonna pray. And if you got, if you under 35, you stretch your hands towards these people right now. And we pray, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that this would be a season of dreaming afresh, Lord. I pray that this would be a season of dreaming and scheming where you would unlock fresh dreams, Lord, where you would remind us of the things that you spoke to us when we were younger. But I pray, Lord, that these wouldn't just be dreams that are great ideas, but these would be heavenly downloads. And right now, Holy Spirit, that you would download blueprints, you would download ideas, you would download business plans. Lord, you would invigorate us, you would impart fresh faith, Lord. You've called us to step into your story, Lord, for this city. And you know, Lord, that this city needs big dreamers, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that there would be fresh faith, Lord. Just receive it. Some of you are gonna feel like a fire on you, like the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah said, it was like a fire shut up in my bones.